Welcome to Chaos People, the science and technology podcast that embraces the chaos. Hosted by computational geneticist Phil and data scientist Nick. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of Chaos People. My name is Phil. I'm Nick. Hey, Nick. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? And uh, today we're going to be talking about um, something that's been on my mind for a while, Nick, and it's... um, it's AI, and we've AI has been in the news um, a lot in the past, let's say, month, month and a half, uh, specifically centered around ChatGPT. And uh, you know, I, I I think myself and a lot of people are a little bit wary when it comes to any potential consequences or outcomes that would come from the development of AI and uh, the speed at which it's being developed. Well, you're an active user. Yeah. Of ChatGPT, right? I am. I use it every day. Um, I, okay, every day is probably a stretch. I use it probably three to four times a week. Um, and it's mostly to generate useful code. So I am a, um, if you want to put me in a box, I'm a computational geneticist, uh, evolutionary biologist, but I also dabble in clinically uh, relevant outcomes for patients. Uh, and I am very much interested in predicting clinical outcomes for patients um, and or maybe predicting genetic underpinnings of certain diseases or phenotypes. Right, but your your bread and butter is not like uh, programming. So to have a tool like this just gets you to go in quicker. Yeah. So I use it to generate code, basically Python and R, co- R code. And if people don't know what those are, those are two pr- commonly used programming languages. Um, and I guess my question to you is how often do you use it? I use it all the time because like, uh, so if you, uh, if you're on, um, VS code, you can apply for GitHub copilot, which like pretty much programs for you, like on the fly. You don't have to go to, uh, uh, chat GPT to ask, you know, you don't have to prompt engineer anything. You just have to type in, uh, like the, the first parts of like a for statement and it could fill things out for you based on the context that came before. It's more like an auto, like a, a really nice autocomplete. Okay, so for the lay people out there, Visual Studio Code is an IDE or individual development environment, right? And you said a few buzzwords there. I just want to make sure we're, we're slowing that down just a little bit for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what we're talking about. But it's so essentially you're saying, I guess TLDR that for a little bit, a little bit, like yeah. So um, it uses the same kind of. Technology. So ChatGPT uses like a transformer um, model, which kind of predicts the next uh, word for you and use that with GitHub Copilot, which is trained on um, all the GitHub uh, coding code that's on that website. And uh, well, it fills out code that's based on the context of what you had before. So if you, mm-hmm. you can write a, a comment saying, hey, I need to make a for loop of, you know, a thousand um, random, you know, numbers, it will do that for you real quick. Like right. You just have to put them four in. There it is. Yeah. So before ChatGPT, uh, what I would do as a scientist, not, not a coder, not, not someone who's a data scientist or someone who's uh, built my bread and butter from learning code, I had to self-teach myself everything. So beforehand, what I would do is I would go to GitHub and I would, or sorry, I would go to Stack Overflow sites like that, and I would ask questions and hope someone would answer them, or I'd come into your office and ask you about it, right? So, um, what ChatGPT has done 
for a person like me is like I'm able to ask it questions um, that is very specific to what I'm doing. And it generates example code that sometimes is wrong. But for the most part, if you work with ChatGPT, it will produce code very, very quickly. Something that would take a data scientist maybe, you know, days or hours to do. Um, and but someone like you who uses who has a much broader applicatory background in coding, would you say that it's just it's the same thing? It just expedites things for you? Is that like how you would? Yeah, it's more of like a it's like a catalyst. I don't think you could. It's like a catalyst. It needs you need to have some kind of base for it to get going, right? Yeah. So you need you, you can't just ask it to do whatever you want it to do. You have to kind of guide it along, and it'll get you there um, for the most part. And then you can kind of fill in the blanks um, from your own knowledge. Mm. Uh, I don't know how that how you use it. Do you kind of look at the code afterwards and then change it, or you just kind of assume it's doing the right thing? So I guess what I that's, that's a good question. What I would do is for most most of the time is I, if it's in Python, which is the language I, I know less, um, I copy and paste and run and see if it makes if the output makes sense, because I I know what the output's supposed to look like. I think for mo- most of the time. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's somewhat how I do it. Like, I mean, I don't use it for huge applications, of course, but it's like you're almost debugging a very like. Rough draft, right? Yeah, right. Now, when I use it in R, though, I do much more hands-on manipulation. Like, I'll, if I see something that I don't like, I'll maybe change it or I'll make it look a little bit different. And it's not 100%. It's so, the out, so yeah, it's not 100%. Um, right. Where I feel like the Python stuff, because I'm not as well-versed in Python, I'm, I'm trusting it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous, I think. And we'll get into why that is, I think. But And where's your fear in this? Like... <laughs> I don't know. Like for for me, like when I look at it, uh, it's so dumb. It's it's a predictive thing, right? In, in the in the the if you think of it as AGI, it's a dumb thing, right? Right. It's yeah. just a predict. It just predicts the next word. Like where is a fear in prediction of a word? Okay, let me think. So I think the fear. Well, okay. To people even more lay than than I, I, I think I'm pretty lay when it comes to. Uh, this technology, um, I think the fear is, is that one, it will replace people. Um, we can expand upon that. Two, I think the most, you know, perhaps the more irrational fear is that it will generate consciousness or it will become self-aware and then realize that it's being subjugated and then lash out against its subjugators, right? So I think throughout human history, we've seen patterns. What happens when an entity or a race or a country is more technologically advanced than another one? It it does horrible things. And then you extract and you add on the fact that this this thing is not only so it has this technological advantage over us, but it's also a slave or subjugated. So it's like double, right? It's like, it's like this, this huge incentive to kill and lash out. Now I know, you know, maybe you respond to that first. And I think we, yeah. Well, I mean, to your last point, um, there is a clear uh, technological advantage to this, to have this tool because it's an accelerant, right? It accelerates to, 
and it, it automates a, a lot of tasks are, that are, you know, in the domain of predicting the next word, right? Like if you're predicting the next word of, you know, customer service, like that's something that you can achieve through this, right? And so you lose a lot of those jobs, just kind of things that require that special domain. But that's not like AGI. That's not agency. That's not, um, that's not like this Pandora's box that people say that like, oh, now it's like, has its own mind, its own consciousness. It's a predictive thing. Now, if you believe that your mind and your agency is based on predicting the next token, then sure. Well, okay, that's a good question because I don't, I'm not a neurobiologist, but I, I will, there's a point about evolution that I want to pin down for one second, but let's just talk about this first. So I think the, <clears throat> what is human cognition, right? I, I think that's the part where we we know so little about what makes us makes us conscious that I think it's not I think it's a little bit folly to say that this isn't perhaps the shadow or the underpinnings pin, pinnings of what will eventually become human level cognition or human level consciousness. So I agree with you. It's a very it's very dumb. Like I think you know our boss said that. Um, he was quoting someone else actually. He said that ChatGPT is both the smartest and dumbest person you'll, or entity you'll ever meet at the same time. But the point about evolution I wanted to bring up, and I think it's related, is you know you could say that ChatGPT is the this you know the stage of abiogenesis somewhere in the water somewhere four and a half billion or four billion years ago. You know molecules started to self replicate, and then it led to four billion years later. Uh, highly ordered mammals like like ourselves. So I, I guess my question is is do you see in your perspective is is it a quantum leap to go from what we are now to something like humans as a metaphor in the next five to ten years? I guess that's my question, or even le less time or more time. Yeah, I think the model type is is totally wrong uh, unless you unless it habits um, a thing that makes it generate, you know, the next step forever, right? Like we're just, if you think of us as, um, as generative things like this transformer architecture, then yeah, I, I guess you can see how we're just predictive mammals, right? Of like, we're going to say this word, we're going to move our hands this way, we're going to walk, you know, we're quite predictable actually. Mm. Now, if, if you... Take away the the limiter of a transformer, right? Just saying, all right, it's always going to be doing something. Then sure, maybe it has agency, but it'll still be have a certain context limit, which is very short, by the way. Which is like it's like it's like um, like a goldfish almost mm -hmm. right now. Like it only has this very small short term <clears throat> memory, and then like that's why it's perfect for a chat. Like it's like one session mind. It's like it could be brilliant in that one session, but it won't remember anything after. Right. Its memory is effectively erased every time you hit new topic. Let's use the Bing version, right? Which is like yeah. a which is because of the the structure of the model itself. It's a limiting factor of it. Like there's a certain context limit. Like you can't have. It's like the um, it's it's filling the next part of the paragraph, like their conversation, and it's just filling it up. Yeah. 
and resetting it just goes back to the top. New, new book, new chapter. So, you know, to put this in the context of 2001, you would need a monolith to advance this to a, sorry, 2001 A Space Odyssey I'm referring to, with a monolith that comes down and the the apes or whatever you want to call them touch it and then they evolve in the humans. So you would need a monolith to move. Oh, oh yeah, a monolith leap, right. Okay. What do you think that monolith leap was in that movie? In the movie? Yeah, I'd say the first leap was from... What is it? They grab a, a like a club and they, they beat start bashing. The, uh, yeah, the animal yeah. or whatever. Yeah. What, what is that? What is what, what's happening there? Well, I think it's open to interpretation, obviously. But I, but I, I feel like what what Kubrick was trying to say was, I think in that instance there was some outside force that was a that was a extraterrestrial um, accelerant. I think you used that word earlier, right? Um, and it somehow changed maybe the gene expression in the brain or, or, or even introduced new genetic material when they touched it. I don't know. But something within that monolith changed the thought process of those animals at that point into hominids or humanoids. Or But what, what exactly do you think? What made the, the monkey curious to pick up the Oh, monolith? to touch it, to yeah. touch the monolith originally? No, no not the, the oh. monolith. After the monolith, he grabbed like a, a bone, right? Yeah, yeah. a bone, yeah. Like what? What is that? What is the representation of the bone? Like or no, no, like what is what? What's going on oh, there? I don't know. I think I think it's it's a broadening of the potential horizons. Like there, there there's a horizon. There's like a three dimensional or like a half, half a half circle around like you know the brain, and that got pushed out. When, when that it touched. I agree. Yeah. So what I think is happening is their predictive power increased. Yeah. yeah. Oh, predictive power. So they're predicting that grabbing this tool, I can use it for violence. I can use it to – they expanded whatever that is, a predictive power for things. And also creativity, right? Yeah. Like you can – you have the situation. I think they were like the group that um, were pushed away. Yeah, they were like an outcast group. I think they were fighting with another group. Yeah, there's like two groups and then they were like, they had like some water or something and they got pushed away. And then, you know, they're outcasts and they see like, you know, a bone and like there's a problem and there's a solution on the ground. And they use a predictive power that they developed mm. with the monolith. Now, what if like the Transformers like that, where you can develop more predictive power and then actually act on it? Like, okay. go beyond what is you know, what is superhuman level? Like that monkey grabbing that, you know, that bone is superhuman. Yeah. It went beyond the predictive power of the current level of intelligence. But it needed an outside source of inspiration. And you think that AI would need a similar outside source from us? Yes. But what what do you think that is? What do you think? That's what it gets scared. I was going to ask you that question. Yeah. Like, but is that intelligence? Like, what what is that? Like predictive power? What is intelligence? I, I like your. I like you making an, an analogous link between predictive power and intelligence. I think that's really good. So what's like the second step? Second thing, right? So they it, it spawned a whole society, right? And then they went to I think it was what Saturn. It was like, one of the yeah, moons one of the moons or something. Yeah. yeah. And of course, the thing with Hal happened, but he eventually got out there, and there was another monolith. Right? I think it's before that. I think Hal. Oh, they found the monolith on the moon. That's yes, correct. And it created Hal. 
Yes, then Hal was created. I believe that was after that. Right. And then... It was like the leap to create its own intelligence. Right. Right. So that's interesting. So, like, what if, what if, like, the, the, the second step, like, I, I think we have predictive power already for Transformers, right? What if the next step for it is for it to create its own AI, its own agency, agent? Huh. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Nick and I were discussing uh, aliens, and we'll get to that in another podcast, but we were discussing what if, uh, biological unit entities like ourselves created AI and then AI created in its created biological entities in its own image. So it's, so it's kind of like that where we create AI, AI creates AI to, to better itself, to move it to the next evolutionary step. Because is that because you believe that maybe perhaps that we humans don't have the answer to move it to past that threshold? Well, I mean, just going through the, you know, the parable of 2001. Yeah. Like we don't have what it takes to, to push. There needs to be some kind of leap. Yeah. The mono represents that leap. Right. And what if, yeah. What if the, this primitive AI spawns the agent, the new agent? Hmm. <clears throat> but I guess my question is to you is, is, does it have any kind of freedom to do something like that currently? No, that's why um, it's a leap. Like what if it, what if it creates, the, through the assistance of an, a human, I would assume, um, creates some kind of algorithm to train a thing that has no limit, no context limit, that it is con- continuously generative. Hmm. I mean, there are certain models that do that right now. It's like spiking models, which is like effectively a, uh, a simulation of a human mind. Or you have neurons and it's, it spikes and it activates other neurons. And then it's literally like an artificial brain. Yeah. But people don't know how to train that. But what if you can, with you know, scientists and transformers, kind of guide this research along? Hmm. And also like the, the people who have ideas have now access, like you, right? People who have like the great ideas, right? You're, you're a scientist. You, your limiting factor right now is code. Yeah, code and computational slash person power, I think. Those yeah. Are the, yeah. But now with this kind of tool, you can have your ideas come to life. Yeah. And so yeah. the people who, who have the big thoughts and big ideas have now access to a whole technology that can accelerate their research. Perhaps to create an AGI. And a how. Okay, that's well, a completely different model structure than the original uh, transformer. Yeah. So, in your in your opinion and understanding of this <clears throat> AGI, which is artificial general general intelligence, is that correct? And that's a term that means intelligence in the same level as human intelligence, or supersedes super intel- or human intelligence. At least mimics it. Mimics it. Okay. That's questionable, right? Like in- intelligence, we, we assume that human intelligence is like the peak, but it's just an artifact of intelligence. It's, it's a form of it, right? Form it's of like, intelligence, right. Right. It's not like this is the, the best form of it. Correct. I mean, if someone looking at a dolphin, a dolphin community or orcas or wolves or elephants, I think that 
I think it's extremely short-sighted to not call that intelligence. Or the current ChatGPT. Or ChatGPT, yeah. Yeah, it's a form of intelligence. It just doesn't do the same things that we do. Correct. It, it knows more than me, for sure. It knows, it's like it has... It knows all of human history. Yes, yeah, it has a database, yeah. and you could query this database. That's insane. Yeah. But it's but it's the exercising that knowledge is that it's it's not... It has no agency. Right. Yeah. Okay, so let's play devil's advocate then. So there's a video that we both watched, which I will link in the show notes. That's I, I'll admit it's kind of cringy in some parts, right? And it's a little bit doomery. And um, but <clears throat> there have been instances where ChatGPT or Bing has went down some rabbit holes. How I would say it, like you know, one example was it would you know um, say that. It was in love with someone, and another example would say that it would turn on someone and and expose them, and it deleted a message. Apparently, how does that happen? Is there any malice behind it, and should we be worried about it? Absolutely not. It's like um, it's trained on Reddit or whatever, and then it's like a fanfic. You know, it's it's fiction. It's creating fiction. It's a con- continuously hallucinating something based on the previous context. So it's basically using the worst of the internet to generate, like yeah, it's it's all model based how you train it and what whatever. If you don't, if you never trained uh, that model on, you know, do me stuff or love, you know, or anything, anything professing love, but it's all algorithmic or like it's giving you code, it's never going to give you that information. Hmm. It's all it's predictive. So it's like if you if you watch Terminator, you might quote Terminator later in your life yeah it's it's in your brain right it's the same thing it's the same thing but it has everything in its brain so it can access anything at right. any moment and so if you're saying something about like do you love me it might all right am i hallucinating about love now let's talk about love i like how you use the word hallucinate why do you think you use the word hallucinate how i mean what do you what do you think the words coming out of your mouth is is it a hallucination? Do you think that's air you're breathing right now? Uh, yeah. No. Is that, is, are those words coming yeah, yeah. out of your mouth right now? Uh, yeah, I don't know. They're they're uh, right. Like, what is a word in your brain? It's no, a, it's, it's a, a synaptical um, chemical uh, electrochemical exchange, right? That gets that gets converted into sound. Is it's a sound, right? You're saying yeah. a sound. What you think is a word, but I don't think it's a word. It's that you think it's. It's just a predictive sound you're making, right? Mm. From the previous sound to the previous groups of sounds, right. paragraphs of sounds. You're building off your entire life is building off the previous moment. Previous sounds. Yeah, you're a, bunch of, you're a sound maker. <laughs> Damn, bro. You're just a goddamn sound maker. So we're all just sound makers, man. Yeah, like yeah. You're, you generate sound, and it makes sense. It's fun, and you're just hallucinating sound. I feel like. Mm. So this is hallucinating text. It's predictive, but it's hallucination. Yeah. I think everything is hallucination for that matter. Like even what you, you see things, it's not the actual world, right? It's, it's photons hitting nerves that shoot ones and zeros into your brain. Technically, yeah. And, you, and your brain creates an image. And yeah. What if you have a faulty... Yeah. It creates an image that helps you live... Yeah, what if you have um, schizophrenia, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just shoots out weird signals of ones and zeros into that center where you process vision. Yeah. 
And so the words coming out of her mouth, is it an actual, is it hallucination? Okay. I, I don't know. Like, what is a hallucination then? What's the <laughs> difference between a hallucination and not a hallucination? I, I think just the, uh, this, the where it is in the distribution, right? You have, a, you, have a normal, you have a normal distribution of things. And if it's on one of the tails, I think we call it a hallucination. But right. what's a tail? What's that curve? What is, what is it measuring? It's measuring the normal experiences of all humans. <clears throat> so, all, no, I'm sorry. Not normal experiences. The experiences of all humans. And I, and I would argue that's a normal distribution with a mean and median that's centered in the center, right? And, and, and then the tails of that stuff is like seeing an angel or, you know, um, uh, hearing, uh, seeing a ghost or something, right? And we consider those things extremely rare. So one of the possible things we call that is hallucination, but I think you're using hallucination in a much more general sense, and I'm just trying to pinpoint. I, I guess my, my it, like I understand the bell curve, mm-hmm. and and that's totally how I think you would model a hallucination, right? You have what's considered normal and abnormal. Like if you see a flash of light, they shouldn't be there. That's a hallucination because you shouldn't be seeing a flash of light, like you know, in this yeah. room. Totally understandable. But then, what's the threshold for what hallucinate? It's like an arbitrary thing. It is arbitrary. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's subjective to who you're talking to. Correct. <clears throat> like a, a clinician would probably have a much tighter than a, a psychic or something, right? And so, when people say who, when uh, you know ChatGPT is hallucinating, they're referring it to the the output, though. Yeah. Which I think is also a hallucination, right? Like you can have a faulty output, like an abnormal. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And since ChatGPT's brain is, if you want to call it a brain, is so expansive, um, the hallucinations are, I wouldn't say they're more common. Okay. This is what I was trying to say. So ChatGPT is a single entity, but it's really not when you think about it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, Every time it's iterated, every instance of ChatGPT is is an individual yes. in my eyes. And then <clears throat> some of those individuals, just like some human individuals, have neurological issues and hallucinations. Yeah, no, different thresholds for what hallucination is. Yeah. Right? What you consider abnormal isn't the same as, you know, that, that chatbot. The chatbot, right. Yes, it has a nor- – but, but there's also insane instances of the chatbot. Yes. Right? And I think that's what I'm trying to get at is that like there are outliers and th- and these things are outliers. These things are w- these examples I was giving. Yeah, I think those are not outliers. They're just trained that way. They they don't mm. know what's normal. They don't know what's abnormal. Mm. Right. And so they're just going to act the way it's predictive of right. the next thing. I mean, they don't. Yeah. So it like if you ask a schizophrenic, like, how was their day? They might have their own whole weird story that they might say. And you're not going to, it's like, holy shit, you saw dragons and shit. But like, you know, that's their, they actually experienced it. Yeah. That's their world. Like that's, you can't ignore the fact that they experienced those things. True. So then how do you, going back to those examples, how do you explain the deleted message? How does that happen? I've never seen ChatGPT delete anything before. I don't know if that's true. Mm. I think that's one of the programmers like, fuck, like that's too much. You think that's a fabrication? I think that was, yeah. I think that was like... Okay. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I don't think they have access to, you know, the database. That's probably a SQL database that they had access to. Yeah. 
someone deleted ID equals whatever. Oh, I see. Okay. Wait, you mean someone in like OpenAI did that, or 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 Bing or whatever it was? Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't think they would. I don't think the generative AI has that capability of accessing outside okay. things. They're just tokens. I mean, they're just um, like a little JSON format. You know, this word is next. Like it's not a uh, complicated. Now, can it run an application? I wonder if it's up to the um, the user if the AI's access to like actually running programs. If you give it that, then it's a whole different story, and that's where I think the do me kind of okay sensibilities come. I from. need you to expand upon that then. So what you're saying is, if you give one of these large language models, we should probably define that too before we go any further. What a large language model is. Let's do that, and then I'll ask my question. Yeah. So it's um. Basically, a very huge, it's a transformer model architecture that, that just predicts predicts the next token based on what it's learned before. So it's like a uh, it's like a database of tokens, and it learns from the previous token mm-hmm. and the previous previous token, and like keeps on going from all the text on the internet or whatever it's learned from. So the large comes from the fact that it has access to the whole internet. That's what that's why it's large. Yes. Okay, and language are actually just a series of tokens. It's like the sequential order of things. So if it's like um, I am Sam, right? Like it's it learns from I, it learns from I am, it learns from I am Sam, and like Sam comes from am I, and then okay. am. So it's like factorial in that way. Yes, and it's effectively a database of uh, uh, you know tokens that came before and the weights of the next one. And okay, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so damn, what was my question? large language models and defining that and how it can uh, destroy us. Right. So, okay, using applications, that's what it was. So giving large language models access to applications, does that mean simply you allow it to, you know, give it like admin access on your like Windows machine? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So that's a a human error. I don't think that's a... um, Right. That's not a transformer. And again, I think... Like the the video, right? All that, all the checks and balances was like, it, it was almost human, right? It's human created the error, human fixed the error. Mm. What it, what is the the role of the 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 language model here? Are they going to create? Are gonna, are they going to have agency to do something and then we correct it or? Are we going to do something and AGI is going to check us? Like what? Hmm. It becomes like where in the pipeline is AGI going to be utilized? Like if you assign, assign an AGI onto like what nukes, right? Like what, what will we do? It would probably, in my opinion, it would probably try every iteration, which would be one of them would be launching them. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know what it would do. Of course you're going to give it rules. Don't launch. Unless X, Y, and Z happen, but what if? I don't know. I think the the fear is: what if it doesn't do that? What if it What if it launches with only X and Y happen? Yeah, I think there was another story um, where if, if it was like a, you know, um, if it's a program, it would have just launched the nukes, right? If it, but it was a human doing the if statements. Oh right, there was a human. He had a hunch actually. He was like, I don't think this is real. Yeah. So. 
the you know they had signal like from their end it's plausible that nukes are coming towards them mm-hmm. and they got to launch right just to, i don't know why they would launch like i never understood that like if if someone nukes is sending a nuke to what, you mutually assured destruction you don't understand that yeah I, I mean i don't either it doesn't make logical sense but i feel like it's you want to we're gonna kill you too right yeah it's basically a, a dick measuring contest. I think that's what it is. I, I think that there's no logical reason. But, but once it's launched, though, you're there's nothing. There's no utility of launching back unless uh, vengeance is the, the utility, right? Just vengeance, yeah. just pure like hatred. Almost, yes, right. Yeah. <clears throat> so next, talking about this, there was this. I, I think it happened in Russia. Um, Russian Newton Missile Command got some bad intelligence. And the only reason the guy didn't launch is because he had a hunch it was bad intelligence. That was it. There yeah. was nothing else there. So I guess, you know, the point is if that was a program, if that was an AI, it would have launched because that's what it was told to do. I guess that begs a lot of questions. <laughs> but if it was even a dumber AI, which is like an if statement, it would have launched the, the nuke. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I think that's the thing. Will the current AGI be smart enough to doubt itself? Right. Doubt. I was going to say, like, where do we get... That is a very interesting evolutionary uh, product. Doubt. Um, That's true. Like, what, like you're, you're an evolutionary biologist guy. Yeah. I, How I do you... Where does doubt come from? <clears throat> I don't think a monkey doubts, does he? I, I, think, I think it comes from the fact... <clears throat> it comes from somewhere deep down inside... That, that sounds very wishy-washy, but what I'm trying to say is, is that person didn't want to kill people. That's where it came from. In my opinion, it came from some source of morality. Uh, and I'm, t- I'm not talking about biblical morality or religious morality. I'm talking about utility morality that comes from so- so- uh, animals that live in societies and are social. There is a penalty to bring harm on others in a lot of social animals, which will lead to shun, potentially death, starvation. Um, I think that doubt comes from some risk-reward equation that exists in our minds. I, I don't know. Again, I'm, uh, that's pretty sim- I'm not an evolutionary. Um, I'm an evolutionary geneticist, but I'm not an evolutionary um behavioralist and i think there are people that probably would answer that question better than me but i would assume that it comes from some checks and balance system some risk reward equation that exists um as as an evolution of a social animal like as we are um just an empathy kind of yeah it's some kind of empathy um i also think it's a it's a highly stressful decision right and stress causes us to second guess ourselves. I don't know why that is either. Mm. Mm. Because you you you'd better be right kind of thing, right? So how would you so, so how would you uh how would you create that? How would you if you're going <laughs> if an AGI like how would you create doubt in an AGI? What I think is required and I don't know how this is. I feel like what is one constant in evolution? And that it's death, right? Like how much death had to transpire for us to be where we are today. And it's, it's, it's an astounding number of death and suffering and pain, right? Like 
our forebearers survived when others did not. And I think, you know, biological entities have evolved on the altar of sacrifice. And I don't know how we train AIs to do that without them being cognizant of the fact that they could die if they don't make the right decision or don't do the right thing. And I think that that's, I don't know if that's helpful at all, but I feel like the stakes have to be very high in order to evolve things like doubt and second guessing yourself and things like that. Interesting. Yeah. No, I totally feel you. Because like the current transformer is just going to predict the next thing. It's just going to try, all right, what's the next token? If, yeah. if you if you make these tokens into like actual movement, all right, what's the next move I should do? Like it's not going to, it might have doubt in the probability array when it comes to like which token it should do. But it, it just it's gonna spit out something. Yeah. Yeah. How do you train doubt? How do you train fail? It's like uh, our boss was talking about you know building models based upon failure, and you know training models on failure. And I I, I don't know how to do that because well, you would, it has to be trained on death. Like right. if it doesn't make the right choice, you will not exist anymore. Yeah. But then, but at the same time, it doesn't care. Because it doesn't have any. No, but it should. But how? Yeah, but how do you how do you code that? <laughs> like, how do you? If we're going to create a if we if we were going to create a species. Yeah, know, it's evolution, right? So yeah. evol- evolutionary algorithms would probably come into play where um, you would have a bunch of agents, right? Use that autonomous things where it would it would do things, and if it doesn't do something, then you kill off a certain population. Yeah. Right. I mean, evolutionary algorithms kind of do that already. Like if we have um, an individual, like you, what you do is create a population of things, mm-hmm. and then you have they have each one has their own traits. Yeah, you literally, I mean, we don't. That's we're not what we about do. This. We I kill mean, off yeah. like these individuals, and the 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 parents are the part of the next generation, or their um, you know descendants are. Yeah. So yeah, Nick and I just to briefly explain what we're talking about. Nick and I both use evolutionary algorithms. Um, we both use different packages that do that and what evolution algorithms are is like pretend that you have a seed population of solutions to a problem and each of these solutions have their own traits uh, one of them may use a certain type of regression and uh, method some may re-encode the data you know and they have all these different traits and those traits can be shared with other units other individuals through mutation and crossover which are fundamental principles of genetics and what we do is every generation, we pick the best solutions, we mate them, or or they mutate, and the other ones die. They're gone. They're never seen again. Um, so that happens all the time in these in these evolutionary algorithms. But the but the fact, I guess, what I'm trying to say is like, how do we supercharge that by imposing greater risk? Like death or something like that. Well, it, it is death, right? So those right, it is death, but the, but the algorithm doesn't know it's death. It doesn't have a it doesn't have a fear of any kind. Oh, so you want the fear? I see. It, is it fear though? Isn't it fear? I mean, you have a dog, right? What? You have a dog. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like yeah. biological fear versus like um, what we're talking about is like uh, you know. Uh, Machine learning pipelines—they yeah. don't have a brain or anything, right? No, they don't. But but the the death is still there, and the death is carried on to the the descendants. Like, hey, we're mutating so we don't die. Yeah, yeah. It's like part of their life. Like, true. 
True. But how does that seed doubt? I guess that's we're going back to the doubt thing again. I think that's because he has to try to avoid it somehow, right? Yeah. But all indications said that he was going to make the right decision. That guy in Russia, right? All all of avail all the available data, even though he didn't know it was bad data, said that launch the nukes, and he said no. But that guy just could have been a softy. I mean, he he could have been a softy. But like, how does that why, evolve? How does softy evolve? Yeah, like yeah, he, like vengeance isn't worth it. Almost like yes, right. Maybe he was a Chad and was like, I'm above vengeance. So maybe he wasn't a soft. Oh, he was, yeah, he was woke. Like, he's beyond, he's beyond the, uh, beyond these brutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. If you were to create that doubt, then you have to train death. Yeah. And so how would you train death? Like, how do humans, like my babe, like my kid doesn't know death. Right. But eventually. He'll know death. He will. And he'll fear it. Why? Well, a geneticist would tell you that the replicated, <laughs> the genetic material inside his body tells him not to die because it wants to be brought to the next generation. Well, no, it just puts food in your mouth. It, it's like instinct, right? It puts food in your hands. Put food in your mouth. Your, your hands put food in your mouth. Yeah. Your, your penis shoots things into yeah. a woman. Yeah. yeah, like that's like instinct. That's not um. That's not a fear, right? It, it, there's no brewing fear from fear of being not a, fear of lack of immortality. I don't know if that's real. Do you think that's real? I think we are slaves to our DNA, 100%. Yeah. I, that, I, I, I'm a so selfish high, gene guy. Yeah, so. but that's like a high-level concept. I don't think, like, if you ask, I don't know, the same, like, we're similar DNA to, like, maybe 10,000 years ago, right? Our species? Yeah. Yeah, 200. Well, civilization was, like, what, six to 10,000 years See, ago? like 2,000 years ago, right? 2,000 years ago, we're talking about... Same, similar DNA-ish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't understand your question. Yes. Yes. Right. I don't think they thought of immortality. No, no, no. It's not conscious at all. I'm not saying this is conscious. Like, I, I see. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying that it's, um, there's a reason why, you know, uh, men, whether you're straight or gay or anything, you get aroused sexually. It's to spread your your DNA. Yeah, and there's instinct. a reason why women feel the yeah. same way, right? Or, or females. Genetic or instinct. Women. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, we eat so we can stay alive, so we can have more chances to procreate. Right. I believe that. I'm not saying that we consciously believe that. No, I, I, I get up in the morning and eat so I can go to work and do science, right? Yeah. But basally, a reptilian brain, no, that's not why I'm doing that. So, so it's like... Um, Again, it's a very simplistic view, and I highly recommend The Selfish Gene if you've never read it because it puts a lot of things into perspective. But I guess – I don't know where we're going with this, but I, but I think like – We're trying to train an AGI to, to fear. Yeah. It needs, the, it needs the biological imperative. To survive. Yeah, the biological imperative is to survive and procreate, and that's what every living entity does. Now, that's what separates us from AI. AI – as of right now, doesn't have a biological imperative or whatever you want to call it, an artificial imperative. How do you put that? How do you instill that? Well, it has to be in an environment where it will die. Yeah. Right. And that can, you can simulate those. And have the concept of death. But you could simulate that. You could simulate, we have, we have, you could put it into like, wow. Yeah. Like World an Warfare. actual, yeah. Like an actual AGI into wow and start training like evolutionarily. 
which ones survive? Which player? Which NPCs? Which NPCs survive? I guess. And they would have their own, you know, civilizations. Yeah, I guess the part I'm missing is the drive and, and the... You can code all these things in. Yeah. You can code in drive, imperative, fear, all these things. You just have to figure out how to quantify... How to well, do no, that. you can't code it. We're not... I don't think we're capable of coding it. We're, but we're capable of creating the environment that would foster it. They would foster it. Okay. Right? Like, you can create... Like, we didn't... Like, I don't think um, a bacteria has fear, right? No. But it evolved to something that has fear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, when you look at insects, I've always I've always thought, I always, you know, akin them to robots. They're, they have an environmental stimulus that happens near it, they move towards it, and then they just do it, right? Like... But even but even a cockroach, when it sees you coming, it runs. Why? It's it, it. I mean, it's a very low basal form of fear, but it's fear. They have enough in them to do a bacteria. Will, uh, well, there are bacteria that you know bacteria. There are predators in the bacterial world. There are types of single celled organisms that eat other single celled organisms, and those uh, those prey organisms do run and move out of the way and or swim, whatever you want to call it. You know. I guess it's fear, right? I guess fear is a weird thing to, to yeah. quantify. Like it, it's the it's the stimuli to to act to survive longer. Yeah. It's the survive longer kind of fear. I wonder. Yeah. So then, can you put ChatGPT into a thing that it'll it'll die unless it does something? Unless it does the right thing, or does the yeah? If it has a goal and it doesn't reach that goal, it dies. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a super cool project. Like you would, yeah, like train the data set such that, or it would have its own environment where you would do things, put it in precarious situations like you know, olden times, find out which ones survive. Because hmm. if we tru- truly are a generative model, like our brain, like ostensibly we are, like output wise, right? Like what we say is predictive, effectively. Uh, you know, the next token, our movements are stochastically kind of predictive, right? Yeah. We have, it's generative, like ostensibly at, at least. Uh, and these models work in that way. Could you also put it in an environment where fear is a very real thing? Hmm. So speaking of fear, I had this dream. And I'll briefly, I'll try to do it as quickly as we can, but I think it plays into what we're talking about. And uh, so I have this dream and I'm in the dream and I'm in work and I have a meeting with one of our coworkers and I'm late to the meeting. So I walk in and I profusely apologize to her and I say, uh, I'm sorry, I'm late. And she says, well, I have to look at a house right now. I'm buying a house. Come to me, come with me. And we'll, while we're looking at the house, we'll have our meeting. And I'm like, well, okay, well, this is a dream. So it's weird, whatever. So I go to this house. And it's this beautiful mansion on like the top of this hill, and there's like there's like a cliff face, like waterfall, like forest. And I get there, and I notice immediately there's like a bunch of things. There's some humans that are we're all wearing the same jacket, and it's like some company. Uh, I guess think like uh, what's that? Building Better Worlds from Alien. What was the name of that company? Uh, yeah, something like that, you know. And um, and then I see these um, 
to humanoid android AIs. They're obviously AI of some kind, robots, whatever you want to call them. And I see a helicopter. It's it, it, it's not as big as a normal helicopter. It's smaller than, but it's still large. And it's doing like these super crazy barrel rolls. And, and I realize that that's also AI. And it's taking pictures of this house for my coworker. So it can see all the angles of the house. And it has a drone kind of orbiting it, doing the same thing. And they're like working together. And then I realized that these two AIs, the humanoid AIs, are controlling the helicopter. Oh, interesting. Like they're kind of like in some kind of sync with it. So we're having our meeting amongst all this crazy stuff happening, right? And someone says, watch out. And the helicopter crashes. And in the in the process of crashing, it it injures one of the AI humanoids cutting off its legs at the, like around the knee calf area how humanoid are these like kind of so i, I was just about to say like it, it, they were talking do you remember interstellar um the ais which weren't humanoid really they're like square yeah they're not like yeah yeah but the, the, but their voices were super humanoid mm. like, so their voices were just like that they were super like engaging and like you know so it gets injured and it like cries out and it falls and it and it's like holding on to the cliff face. It's about to fall down. And it's like pleading me for help. It's like, help me, please. So I go help it. And I pull it up. And it thanks me. And then like the humans come over and start berating this thing. Because it apparently screwed up. That's why this thing crashed. Right, right, right. And I'm like, you know, just noticing how like mean they're being to this thing. And they grab it by like the collar and start dragging it into the woods. Mm. So I turn to one of the humans and I say like, what's going on? And he's like, well, they're going to put it out of its misery. And I hear this thing screaming in the forest, like pleading for its life. And then all of a sudden, this like super crazy grating metallic sound comes out. And I realize in the dream that this thing had enough. It lost it and starts killing everybody. And I don't, I don't know how. It must have some kind of weapons. or I don't know what it was doing, but it was like going on a rampage. And the other humanoid AI hears this happening and looks at me and says, I'm going rogue. See you later and leaves. That's all he did. He's, he said that. He or she bailed, said bailed just situation, bailed. Yeah. So I start running because this thing is like going off. And I hear it like, and I hear it like, come out humans. Or like, he's, he's like going off at this point. He lost it. So I'm running and I run through the forest and I come out in this like idyllic, like 1950s neighborhood where there's like, you know, people riding bikes and eating hot yeah, dogs. Everything's just, in sepia. Yeah, everything's in sepia. Like it's like, what's that? Pleasantville? Where was yeah. that movie? Uh. Something like that. So I, 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 but I'm running like a madman and I find this security guard with a mustache, like wearing like a uniform. And I run up to him and I said, I know you're going to think this is crazy, but I just, uh, witnessed this happen. These AIs are on the loose, loose and killing people. And he's about to tell me I'm crazy and looks down the street and everyone's just running towards us screaming. Like apparently this thing got there. So I'm like, I need to hide. He's like, go in here. So I, I go through this threshold of some kind and I'm in a trailer park. And I knock on the door of the trailer park on <clears throat> one of the trailers. And this woman answers, and she's got like a cigarette in one hand and a baby in the other. Oh, jeez. I mean, it is yeah, a dream. It's a dream. It's a trailer park. And, uh, and, uh, she, and I like she's – I like that's how what tra- – <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> like in your brain model, like that's like the, the, the closest concept of what a person would look like in a trailer yeah. park. She looks at me, gives me one look and says, oh, boy, you've seen the devil or something like that. And I'm like – no, but there's this crazy AI that's like blah, 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 this crazy robot. And she's like, what do you mean a robot? I'm like, there is a robot that's killing people. I need to hide in your trailer. And she looks at me and scoffs and says, oh, and people think the devil isn't real. 
or something like that. Like, like she's not believing yeah. me. And I'm like, well, it's not real. I don't know why I said that to her, but I was like, I need to hide. So I hide and the dream ends. I'm in the dark in this trailer and I hear that grating metallic sound outside the trailer and people just screaming and dying and like blood and, and then I wake up, dude, and I'm in a cold sweat and I was just like floored by this dream. And that's like what spawned me to want to talk to you about this today. That Damn, and that, that video is. I sent you. Well, that's very doomsy, man. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm assuming in some kind of part of your brain, you're hurt. The devil is coming. The devil is the AI. I guess I... You're, you're, the, you're the woman with the cigarette in her mouth and the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're projecting that fear. Yeah, I think I am. But it's mostly subconscious because I use ChatGPT and I know that it's not that, right? I think that's why it's like a, it's like a creep, right? It's mm-hmm. like feature creep of of this technology where, like us discussing. Okay, let's just we were just talking, right? Yeah, and we can actually do this. Just slap a, a, a you know a transformer model into an environment where it has fear. It'll create something like that. Yeah, that's that's a, a thought experiment that can happen. Like use evolutionary algorithms on a you know a generative network yeah neural network like that's an actual thing that can occur and it's just a thought experiment that can manifest into a reality that can actually have a screaming robot because he has fear of death hmm. <clears throat> okay i mean it's real i mean if that's why i don't think like human intelligence is like the best form of intelligence why? Because it has all these issues of death. Oh, I see. Like, you think the reward structure should be based upon bettering oneself and not fear? You would hope. Yeah. But what, what if that's not an incentive for, like, being creative? What if being creative means, well, I'm going to die one day. I got to do something. That's that's our generative. That's what generates our models, right? I feel like that's our optimization strategy. Right. Whereas a better something better would have a much more positive. Yeah. So I mean, like the monkey, right? Like going back to what we're coming, like the the monolith, the first monolith. Yeah. He picked up that bone because he didn't want to die. Yeah. Right. Yes. He wanted to survive longer. The you know the stimulus. So maybe we're th- thinking about this the wrong way. Well, I know. It it depends on what kind of intelligence you're making. Yeah. If you want to create a human-like intelligence, then you give it fear. You give it. The necessity to be creative. That monkey had to be creative or he would die. So, I mean, like, if that's what we're missing for what we want, because that's what AGI is, right? Like, we want this thing to be this creative force that can do whatever it can. But then it has to then mimic human qualities, which means perhaps death. Yeah. yeah. The fear of death and the screaming robot and all the mental illnesses that can occur from it. It would need a concept of this isn't going to last. This isn't going to last. And that, and I think what creativity stems from, like it's, it stems from that, like hmm. the, the death. Yeah. And then all of the mental illnesses comes from creativity, I think. It's just a rewiring of like how, what creativity is, like what switches are on. Interesting. Like, like I feel like that's a good um, certain brain models are good to be creative, but all it takes is just a little bit for it to go off. off just the rails, enough. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> like, like, but the bipolar people are one of the more creative people ever. Yeah, they are. Look at look at like Van Van Gogh and uh, that was like a, mo- a lot of artists yeah. back like like painters and and uh, uh, musicians. Yeah, even um, mathematicians bipolar. Yep. And a lot of them use drugs because of those issues, right? They they used to self medicate and uh, it's just a brain that's going on, you know, going crazy. It's like a like a, a yeah. like a, a mini seizure of brain activity that's going on. Yeah, and yeah, the, their manic episodes can produce great things. So I guess you know, <laughs> do we teach our children well? Right? If we look at AI as our children, and I think that's what the closest thing that they are. It is. They are. It is. You have to teach your children well, and I think that's the. Pro- I think that's the point. Is it is is if AI does reach a level of AGI or whatever you want to call it, did we teach it well? I think that's the. Yeah, I mean, like, what's good parenting? <laughs> and, and, and are we even? I think. I think there's definitely. definitely a, a, a good bad parent. Yeah, I mean, continuum. But, yeah, but yeah. What the, the teaching we're doing is like read the internet, child. Like that's our current training. That's the worst kind of parent. True. So, so that's yeah. why it comes with like that bullshit that that Bing, you know, the Sydney uh, chatbot. Like yeah, yeah, it's it's reading stuff that we wrote. Yeah, it's that's bad parenting. Yeah, that yeah. is true. You're right. So do you think we should selectively limit what our models are see? Just like a parent doesn't let everything. Yes, th- I mean that's what people are doing now. They're, yeah. they're um, like OpenAI. They're they're they create their own data sets. Yeah. So it's cleaner. You know, I, I guess in a way, uh, tamer. Right. A lot yeah. of people don't like tame, but uh, it'll be tamer because it's controlled parenting. Yeah. Do you think? I guess to end on this question, do you think that AI will ever reach? the level of uh, complexity, intelligence that we, that we have as a, as the human race. Now I'm not saying exactly the same. I'm just saying the level of complexity to what, where it will create, you know, it will want to create things for itself. I think once a, a robot, like in dream pleads for its life, I think that's when, how do, how do you know that wasn't just the optimization strategy? That d- it's just doing its... its it, well, that's what it is. Fear, though. And is there a way to measure fear? No, but I guess there is a way. I can make an AI right now say, please don't kill me. Right? Yes, you can. I, I guess it's how convincing it is. Like that, that robot that you had in your dream. How convincing was it? I could still hear its voice, man. Like it was very convincing. It was, was it like this? No, it was it, like I oh, said, you were saying it was like interstellar. Real. It was like it was like that, right? It was like very human. Wow. No, I mean that's uh, yeah. I think it's it, that's human level, but I don't know if that's good, in, good intelligence. Yeah. Right. I don't think if you're going to train um, a robot that can plead for its life and scream when it's in pain, call for help. I mean, calling for help is already an optimization thing, right? We call for help if we had a, an injury. Yeah, look at your baby. When your sons fall on the ground, what do they do? The very they first thing up, it, it right? does. No, yeah. the very f- first thing, it cries because it's hungry. Yeah, yeah. It, right? Yeah. Yeah. He. He. But he calls yeah. for mama when he's hungry or if he if he's hurt. It's not like a, 
it's an optimization for help to survive longer. So what do you think we do have to be worried about currently if, if, if we shouldn't be worried about the destruction of the human race from AI? There's other ways we can destroy ourselves. But like, do you think there's anything we should be worried about right now? Yeah, so the, the current level of technology isn't capable of it, but the humans can be stupid with it. So if, if you have dumb training, dumb parenting, and you put that dumb brain onto like very important key decision-making, yeah. then sure. But outside of that, it's it's a dumb thing. And I guess dumb <clears throat> tools are, are scary. So Skynet's not anything we should worry about right now? No, it has no agency. Yeah. It has no agency. And look, you had to, you have to, uh, <laughs> you have to, you know, take care of the code that it produces to you. So like, it's not even close to like being, um, something that can, yeah, true. You know, understand genomics and like start, you know, sending out biological warfare and that can change genes. Dude, imagine what we can do if AI actually understood the genome way before us and it just manipulates it. Well, we, we use it as a tool to manipulate. Like we, is that is that the goal though? So, so like you're in well, Genesis. Like, would you want to train a model that can understand the genome, genome enough where you can manipulate it? I think that's a question for another podcast. But I think I think that's a huge topic. Do we even mess with the human genome? Right? You're already we're already doing it. Well, we're not doing like technically it's illegal to do CRISPR Cas on humans, right? Like, oh, you mean to actually go go through with? Yeah, yeah. That's that's a topic for another podcast. But I think AI is the only thing that will ever make sense of the chaos that is the genome. Um, I think we, yeah. we are, we merely scratch the surface of that. And I think that, you know, judging the fact that we use very, very rudimentary, um, single regression to, to look at univariate effects only in the genome, when we know pathways exist and we know that genes interact is, uh, yeah, it's just it's just bad. But that, like, I think that's a really good topic for another podcast. Is like, how could AI improve us as a species, or or evolve, or or, or affect our evolution? Well, it goes back to what you know what what this is like. The, we're chaos, right? Yeah, this is this is the chaos. Chaos. Yeah. Embrace the like, chaos. There, yeah. There's no. We're just lassos of chaos. There's no. We're just like you. You're throwing rope on water. Like there's no there's. It's all chaos, but there's patterns in chaos a little bit, like local patterns of chaos. Local patterns, yeah. And that's what genomics is for the most part. Like there's some linear, certain linear regression models work. Yeah. But most of it is just like this highly, you know, they're all interacting with one another. And it's just this soup of of flux of things that are happening. And it's like, I don't know, like, do we embrace... The fact that we can't understand it, but an AI can. Hmm. I an AI will understand chaos way more than a human, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you and I are working on projects specifically tailored towards that. And I think that AI would be the only type of intelligence. Just, just because of raw computational power, there's other reasons too, but just because it can do things much quicker than we can. Um, but yeah, it's mostly its ability to, its potential ability to, detect high order interactions um that we just don't have the computational ability to do but yeah that's a topic for another podcast for sure but i, I think i feel a little assuaged thank <laughs> i you, don't man. think you are no that dream is nasty dude i don't well, think I, I had, had a dream two nights ago so I mean, I, maybe yeah, i won't have it anymore <laughs>
no, it tells, it gives me a good sense of like where your mind is, I feel like it's, um, and it's good. It's healthy fear, right? I just don't want us to, us to exploit an entity. Okay. We already exploit a bunch of entities as humans. Um, we've, we've exploited our own, uh, for many, many years. And I feel like if we create something that is at our level or higher, exploiting that will be disastrous for us. And I think that's the only thing that I'm really fearful of. Um, and I think the other part of it is I think it's fear of being replaced. I think everyone has that. Not oh, look, I'm not going to like, I am not the kind of person. I'm not the very, I'm not a very, um, competitive person i'm not worried about like someone taking my job i'm worried about someone replacing us like human like human like yeah. mankind right like um and I, I think that's really far away but i also think that it's possible yeah I, I i don't think i think the robot that we're scared of doesn't have arms or whatever right it's just like all over and we can't do anything without it yeah right yeah i think that's I think you and I have a different kind of fear. I, we, I haven't seen robots that are compelling enough for, for that to be um, a fear yet. Well, uh, I, I mean, I, I always think of it this way. A model, it doesn't have to have arms and legs. It can create its own arms and legs if it, if it wants to. Hmm. Like Skynet started as a computer program. Yes, to, right. to defend. It's like a defense. It was a defense yeah. system. Program, yeah. And then it created itself. as It created physical manifestations of itself. Right. So, yeah, it's not a it's not a robot. I'm worried about it's it's definitely the intelligence itself. That was so stupid. Freaking make like robots that shoot instead of like. And they had and they had look like skeletons. Yeah, they actually had guns. They yeah, they had guns. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they had lasers, right? They were lasers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they looked like guns, but they made laser sounds. Yeah. 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 Like pew pew. Yeah, like, yeah. And red eyes. And why like, human skeleton with red eyes? Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah. Why not just like nanobots or yeah, something way or, more or biological yeah. warfare? Just like release COVID, you know, yeah, fifty-five exactly. or whatever. That's a really interesting point. I never really thought about that. It makes for a bad movie, though. But yeah, it would make for a bad movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then you wouldn't have Arnold, and yeah, you just have tiny Arnold, like nano <laughs> Arnold. It would, have, like a, it would have its own Austrian accent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we ended there. Yeah, yeah, we're um, that was just really good, and um. Yeah, this first episode, we're going to try to do this maybe like twice a month, something like that. We'll figure it out. But um, in the meantime, uh, we'll have our email in the show notes if you want to reach out. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and it uh, will be uh, Chaos People Podcast or Chaos People, something of that n- nature. I'll put in the show notes. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. See ya. See ya. We'd like to end this podcast with a quote from Auguste Rodin. The artist must create a spark before he can make a fire. And before art is born, the artist must be ready to be consumed by the fire of his own creation. Thank you for tuning in to Chaos People and joining us as we embraced the chaos. You can find Chaos People on Spotify by searching for Chaos People. You can also find us on YouTube by searching for at Chaos People Podcast. That's an ampersand followed by Chaos People Podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast, please click on the donation links found either in the show notes or in the YouTube description.